And good morning, Eagle fans. It is a victorious Monday here on Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys. Hey, Monday morning. Good to see John McMullen. You mean you made it back from Lincoln Financial Field? Your long yeah. travels were not uh, something. Well, you, you know, they're still, you know, I, I was on uh, with your buddy, Ricky Ricardo, on WIP last night, you okay. know, because Ricky came on our show. So I said, all right, I got to suck this up. And I got to stay up late for Ricky, so I'm still struggling. I got I got no voice, but I'm trying to get through it, Joe. What time did Ricardo have you on? Ah, uh, about midnight. Okay, there, so. all right. So you did wasn't, stay up. Wasn't late. wasn't yeah. Wasn't. I had the, the sack at midnight myself as well. After watching football and watching the end of that game, man, how good were the Chargers and the Steelers? I was on uh, my CBS Sports Radio show, and I said at the end of I on Football with Zach Elb. The one thing I wanted last night was a competitive game. I didn't really know who was going to win. I said, Ben coming back will help the Steelers, but they got other issues. Hold the gun in my head. I'm going to pick the Chargers. I think it's a toss-up game. All I ask is that it hangs in the balance till the end because they had had three straight stinkers on uh, primetime. They'd had a great run of all the games coming down to the last couple of plays, and the last three have been blatant blowouts. Just give me a game that I can sink my teeth into. You got that. Steelers in the fourth quarter. But Justin Herbert, man, wow, that throw to uh, Mike Williams, which turned out to be the game winner, not a lot of people can make that throw. He, he is can, something else. He can play a little bit, that kid. He's got some talent, that's for damn sure. But then again, the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles has some talent. It might not be the same talent as Justin <clears> Herbert <throat> because his number one attribute right now are uh, his two legs. And he continues to make plays, taking off and running the football, including the most exciting play in yesterday's game is touchdown scamper in the fourth quarter, which eventually put the game away. But, uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts getting the job done, J-Mac. There are some people in this town that had written it off. He's not the guy. We got to get our ducks in a row. And now he is the guy. So it's funny how that works. Uh, And obviously it's somewhere in between. But he's certainly proving he's got the opportunity. He's certainly a starting quarterback in this league. That's absurd that people say he isn't a starting quarterback in this league. Obviously, he does it in a unique fashion. But, you know, we talked a lot about the running game, the over-under, 72.9, the Saints. Oh, they beat that by the first quarter. They were at 75. Uh, yeah, they were 154, I think, at halftime. Ended up at 242 was really 244, and they had two kneel downs. The Chargers, uh, excuse me, the Saints have uh, given up two 200-yard rushing games in like the past 90-plus games, and both of them to the Eagles, both of them to Jalen Hurts, spearheaded teams. Um, Nick Sirianni said after the game, look, Miles Sanders' effective run in the football when he doesn't put it on the ground. Right. Jordan Howard effective running the football, even though everybody in this league thought he was done. Austin Scott uh, has been effective running the football. It's because of Jalen Hurts. Everything opens up in that running game because people are so scared of Jalen Hurts and what he can do if he holds on the football and comes out the back end. And Nick Sirianni went on record and admitted it yesterday. So, yeah, it's it's not conventional. I'm still waiting for the team to pull out the, the Miami Dolphins game plan uh, against Lamar Jackson a couple weeks ago. Um, I call it the the Antoine Winfield senior 
game plan way back to the the Joe Webb game that everybody remembers the Eagles lost with Michael Vick was really the Antoine Winfield game. If you go back and watch that game, because Minnesota just blitzed off the slot constantly to stop Michael Vick. That's what the Dolphins did to stop Lamar Jackson. It's coming. I don't know who's going to have the testicular fortitude to do it, but somebody's going to try it at some point. And then we're going to see what happens in the adjustments and, 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 you know, you move forward, but the Eagles gift to you. I've been saying this all the time. It's holiday, happy holidays to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving for everyone. A little bit early. The Eagles early gift to you is meaningful football during the holiday season. They're in this thing and it's real right now. The last two teams in the playoffs on the NFC side are Minnesota at five and five. And the Saints at five and five are the last team. And obviously the Eagles at five and six have the tiebreaker over the Saints. Which is big. And yes, they are legitimately in the playoff race. Uh, you use the word there, um, adjustments, which if a team tries a different tack to slow down Jalen Hurts and his running ability would be their adjustments. I want to give uh, credit to the Eagles coaches for adjustments. And that would be Nick Sirianni and and Jonathan Gannon on each side of the ball. No, Sirianni is the head coach, but he is the uh, play caller. So uh, he is the key guy on offense. Damn, they have certainly made changes since the Eagles' early struggles. They came out. They had a game plan in place. They knew what they wanted to do. They had their evaluation of the roster as it was. And they took their shots with what they thought would be effective. And they weren't really all that effective on either offense or defense. And both have made significant adjustments to their own mindsets in what that they do. Well, after watching Nick Sirianni for the first five games, you go, all right, well, at least Jeff Laurie's happy because he's as pass happy as you get. He's going to throw the ball all over. He doesn't have a problem with Jalen Hurts dropping back and throwing it 40 times. Well, by hook or by crook, by necessity, <laughs> They became a run-dominant team. And damn if it hasn't worked. They're the best rushing team in the National Football League right now. And a big part of that is, yes, they've got a quarterback that can run. He's right there with uh, Mr. Jackson right now with the ability to make plays with his legs. And the Eagles have been successful with that, and they've continued to do it. I think they're to the point now where they're not – they just ran the ball down the throats of the best defensive rushing team in the National Football League. So why would they back off it against anybody else going forward? Not happening. And on the other side, Jonathan Gannon heard all the critiques, a lot of them coming from me, uh, that Mm -hmm. he just is too conservative. And, yeah, I get it. that You can sit in the zone and you can keep everybody in front of you. You can make them take time moving the ball down the field. Well, cut by a 1,000 deaths, uh, death by a 1,000 cuts, it's still death. And he has gotten more aggressive. He has given his guys on the outside, Nelson and Slay, the ability to get up and actually press somebody and take some chances. How's that worked out for Darius Slay? Pretty damn good. Uh, and I know it was another no-sack game for the Eagles, but anybody who watched that game knows their pressure kept Trevor Simeon uh, on his toes the entire first half. Talk about being worrisome about uh, where um, – what Jalen Hurts is going to do uh, on the defensive side. Well, the Saints, I think, were worried about what Trevor Simeon is going to do with the football because, yeah, he felt pressure yesterday, got the ball out of his hands. Okay, he didn't get sacked. So what? He's throwing the ball into the ground. 
Before you know it, it's second ten. Before you know it, it's third and ten. He's doing absolutely nothing. Give kudos to Jonathan Gannon, too, because even though he didn't get a sack with that defense yesterday, he brought pressure a lot. Yeah, especially early. And, you know, I know J.G. well enough to know he hasn't changed. It's just the evolving of this uh, defense and the quarterback, to be honest. Uh, he feels more comfortable going to Trevor Simeon than he does about Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or some of the quarterbacks earlier uh, this season, even the Derek Carrs or the Justin Herberts that we talked about of the world, different type of quarterback, obviously different talent level. The, the positive part of the defense is, you know, that early un, uh, unsuccessful attempt at death by a thousand cuts, a lot of that was they couldn't get off the field. They were putting guys in position at times, but couldn't get off the field. Sometimes it was a stupid penalty. Sometimes it was uh, just not playing the right uh, leverage or what have you moving forward. As you gain more confidence, look, he's at, the point I'm trying to say is people who think Jonathan Gannon has become more aggressive. And the next time Patrick Mahomes rolls around that he's going to be like this against that. No. It's not going to happen. Um, but the positive part is hopefully you've gained more confidence as a defense. Hopefully you've gained more chemistry uh, as a defense that you're gonna not going to make those dumb mistakes. And occasionally those 20, you know, those 15 play drives, you're going to get off the field when you have the opportunity. And, and that part is, is the evolution I'm talking about, but, yeah, he's going to be aggressive when Trevor Simeon's out there because he doesn't care about Trevor Simeon. And he's going to attack him, and he's right to do so. And so the bigger question is when the good quarterbacks roll around again. Now, the positive is they don't have a good quarterback rolling around. Next, next five games. Yeah, Daniel least. Jones, Daniel Jones, Taylor Heineke, Taylor Heineke. Who the hell knows is the Jet quarterback? That's not a murder of roads of QBs coming up in the next five games against the Eagles. So settle in. You're going to see what you want to see for the next five weeks, but I wouldn't be fooled and assume it's going to continue. Let's say you get to the playoffs. Let's say you get to a Tom Brady in the first round for argument's sake. However, it shakes out. Yeah, he's not going to do that. But, you know, it, it, it's still positive. It's still showing the evolution of the of the defense and and some of the things they can do. And some of the things he can do, you saw some of the A-gap, Mike Zimmer stuff. You saw some of the overloads, uh, the the blitzes that he's famous for. Avante Maddox, who got his contract extension, is getting better and better as a slot blitzer. Um, yeah, it's all positive. All right. Uh, now we're getting way ahead of ourselves. But uh, what the hell? It's Birds 365. We can do that, whatever the hell we want. Uh, Eagles make the playoffs. And their first-round opponent is Matthew Stafford. Does the Eagle defense play more like they did against Trevor Simeon yesterday or more like they did against Tom Brady previously this year? Uh, more more like Brady. Oh. Um, what well, the hell has Matthew of, Stafford ever done in the playoffs? Well, that's they, some nerve, JG. Come on! It's, it's more like that's like the... That's like a veteran Justin Herbert comparison. The guy can kill you with his arm. And plus you also have the Sean McVay aspect of it. Who's going to use 
a ton of, of motion and a ton of eyewash, as they like to call it, as Martin Frank likes to joke with me when I bring that up. But uh, uh, they're going to use a ton of that stuff to make sure that you're in the in the look that they want you in. So Sean McVay is a problem with that as well. But, it, you know, if say it was Matthew Stafford on Detroit uh, back in the day, yeah, it wouldn't be ta- it wouldn't be Trevor Simeon, but it wouldn't be Tom Brady either. It'd be somewhere in the middle. And, you know, people don't like that answer, but that's the reality of it. Well, I don't like it because I don't trust Matthew Stafford. I think that uh, he's well, you trust flying, him more than Trevor Simeon. Back down I know, I know, I know you don't. How's he played these last two games? I know you, you think Matthew Stafford's overrated, but I also know you're smart enough to know as overrated as you think he is, he's a hell of a lot better than Trevor Simeon. I do know you know that. Yeah, all right, fine. Uh <laughs> They, they kind of made Trevor Simeon look like Trevor Simeon, who had actually had two good games in a row prior to yesterday's game. Well, he's they, an NFL quarterback, and we've, we've seen backup. We see it all the time, backup quarterbacks. Colt McCoy played pretty well yesterday. But, you know, the more those guys play, the more they get exposed. And, again, you, you know, you got to give – when you're killing Jonathan Gowney, you got to give him credit. Because I, I think Simeon came in and I came, he hadn't thrown an interception. He could have thrown four at least. He ended up throwing two. Um, and he threw a couple balls into the ground because he just, uh oh, I'm going to get killed. Uh, no, no chance whatsoever to complete the pass. He just throws them into the ground. It's not a sack, but it's almost as good. Cause yeah. Well, the same thing, the, the same thing happened in Denver. They had Teddy Bridger. They didn't have a lot of sacks, but they had him running for his life. So, that's where I often say sacks, you know, sacks are great, but they're not the be all end all. They they obviously pressured and made Trevor Simeon very, very uncomfortable. And that's 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 the bigger issue. That's the bigger and they succeeded. And you know, they took their foot off the gas a little bit in the second half. No question. Nick Sirianni admitted it from an offensive perspective. I think uh Gannon did it too from a defensive perspective, but look early in the season when I was, when they were getting blown out in games uh, and they would come back, I said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to say the same thing here. No, they blew out. They dominated the saints and all that other stuff doesn't matter. Uh, They dominated the football game. Well, uh, here's where I'll go. I'll go. uh, I'm not going quite as far as you do. They, they ended up dominating the game because of one particular stop when the saints had the ball first and 10 at the 13 yard line with eight minutes to go down 14 points. If they score a touchdown here, that game's hanging in the balance. I'm sorry. You're down one score with six minutes, seven minutes left to go. The Eagle offense sputtering at that time. Oh, the game's hanging in the balance right there. And they got a big stop. They got three consecutive good defensive efforts. Hargrave out of the middle of the uh, playing yeah, a screen way, pass. Can I say real quick, what the hell is, is Sean Payton doing there? What the? You're kicking a field goal. You're you're making a two score game. A two score game. What in God's name are you thinking? This is yeah. where the young generation, the analytics generation, look. That old guys like us and Sean Payne, he's ruining it for all us old guys. What what are you doing? 
your goal is to at least try to win. You're probably not going to convert. We all know that. Your 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 quarterback stink. But what does a field goal do for you in that situation? What yeah. what is he thinking? I, that I did not understand that. I didn't like the play call on on third down, third and nine, a screen pass outside that everyone could see coming. Yeah, that that was bad. But rather than come down on Sean Payton, I want to give credit Sorry, to the Eagles' to defense to because they came up big right there. If they had given up a touchdown, and by the way, the Saints were going through them like tissue paper at that point in the uh, second half with the Eagles playing prevent defense, which only prevents you from winning. They got back to being a little aggressive. Guy like Hargrave getting out on the outside. Anthony Harris came up, made a big play right there. That was when the game was over. Up until that point, you get within 14. You're only down one score. If you score a touchdown there, you've got a first and goal at the 13. That game's not over yet. Yeah, Sean Payton doesn't understand that. Look, the NFL is what the NFL is. The Chargers, we go back to that. The Chargers are blowing out the Steelers. All of a sudden, the Steelers uh, score 24 points in in the fourth quarter. They take the lead, and and the Chargers got to come back. Whatever, how many did they score? They might have scored more than that in the fourth quarter. But either way, um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Mathematically, obviously, it's still a game. Uh, no question about it. If they're not able to get the stop, a lot of that, by the way, also had to do when you say shifting gears. Remember, Darius Slay was out by that point, uh, had a concussion. You had Zach McPherson out there, so they were playing a little bit more, trying to cover up for him as well. Um, so all these things factor into it. And NFL games are NFL games, and everybody comes back, and you see it all the time, and guys take their uh, uh, put off the gas. And that's why I said Nick Sirianni, that's why it was a positive. He admitted he got too conservative. You can't stop in this league. And a lot of times you get ripped for it. Sean Payton's a perfect example. He's been ripped over the years for piling on. They pile on in this yeah. league because, you know, you're, you're, you're a hiccup away from, and, and, and now with two point conversion, 16 points is still a two score game and blah, blah, blah. Teams come back all the time. We saw it again. We saw it with the Eagles. People said, well, they came back against Tampa Bay. It was close. Was it? Was it close? Yeah, it was close uh, on the field. You managed. They 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 took the foot off the gas. You managed to come back in the game and make it look better in the box score. They dominated this game. I, I get what you're saying from the NFL, from a mathematical standpoint. I never felt, okay, the Saints are going to win this game. Never felt that. Never. Not mm-hmm. for one second. I never felt they were going to win it, but I was sitting on the precipice of it. When they added first and goal, uh, not first and goal, but first down at the 13-yard line with eight minutes to play, I said, oh, the Eagles have to get a stop. They can't give up a touchdown here. If they give up a touchdown here, holy mackerel, their jock strap's going to get tight on the sidelines. Well, that's possible. If they do give up the touchdown, who knows? Maybe they do get a little bit tight. So you're right from a logic perspective, but again, from a feel perspective, and you know from watching hundreds of NFL games, you get a feel for these games, and I just never felt the Saints were in that football game. When they got that stop uh, and held them to a 
questionable field goal call by Mr. Payton. Uh, I said, all right, now they're in good shape. And Jalen Hurts goes down the field and makes the big running play to take them into the end zone. And then, yes, it was all over, but for the shouting. Um, but up until that point, uh, yeah, I was a little worried, Johnny Mack. I'm glad you had uh, more, hey, don't sweat this, confidence than I did. I had a little concern up until they got that stop. All right, we're going to take a stop here, and we're going to get our first guest up, our buddy Jeff Kerr from CBSSports.com. He's going to hop aboard uh, Chris Franklin a little bit later on. So we got two good guests coming your way on a Victory Monday here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that a victorious Monday here on birds 365 the Eagles handled the Saints at the link yesterday yes first win this season at home which I think we've made a little bit of a too, too big deal about, but that's just me. Uh, here to give us his insights to the very big win for the Eagles yesterday is our buddy Jeff Kerr. 
from CBSSports.com and co-host here when Johnny Mac needs uh, downtime or COVID testing time or whatever the hell else. Uh, JK. <laughs> downtime. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yesterday's win over the Saints, John and I were just discussing. At no point did he think there was any chance they were losing that game after they built up the halftime lead that they did. I'm honest. Maybe I'm a little skittish. But when the Saints took it down into the red zone, down by 14 with eight minutes to play, I said, uh-oh, they better get a stop here. And they did. Were you as nervous as me or were you as confident as McMullen? No, I wasn't nervous about that. Uh, look, this is how I viewed the game. And Trevor Simeon kind of pointed this out in his postgame presser. They needed pretty much four straight three and outs by the Eagles, and they needed to score four touchdowns to win that football game. It just wasn't going to happen. I'm a big numbers guy, big percentages. Even when the Saints were down inside the 20, down 14 with how much time was left, seven, eight minutes left, I think they only had like a 2% chance of winning that football game. I mean, 2% is 2%, but they were not going to win that game. The Eagles were going to ground and pound. I, I think Sirianni took his foot off the gas a little bit. And Simeon pointed this out too, same as Sean Payton, that the defense kind of, you know, they did what most NFL defenses do. They, they play back. And so I wasn't too worried about that. I mean, the only thing I was worried about – in, in that football game was when the Saints kind of took the runaway a little bit, Jalen Hurts wasn't making the throws he needed to. But, again, that's nitpicking. Yeah, it is nitpicking. We'll get to that nitpicking, Jeff. But let's uh, – I don't want to go too negative too fast. People will accuse me of, of certain things. You know, I work for the Eagles when I'm positive. I'm too negative. You know how it works. But um, Jody brought up an interesting point because – Nick Sirianni downplayed it as well. That's the first home win. When he was talking to us, he downplayed it. No, it's not a big deal. Behind the scenes now, he, 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 after they beat Denver, he put it in his, you know, everybody's happy, everybody's celebrating. He put it in his speech. We got to get a home win next week. He planted the seed. Then he had a team meeting, and he called this game mandatory, and the city deserves it. It was a bigger deal than he was leading on to get off the schneid and get a win at Lincoln Financial Field for the first time in essentially over 11 months, ironically the last one against the Saints. Are we making too big of a deal of it? I mean, if you're going to make the playoffs, you better win some games at home. They finally, they finally won a game at home. Yeah, I looked at it this way. I go back to Chip Kelly's first year when he was the Eagles head coach. They were on a 10-game home losing streak, and it was from 2012 Andy Reid, and I remember they couldn't win a game at home and save their life. They couldn't beat Dallas at home. I think they lost the Giants at home that year. I, I'm trying to remember who they snapped the streak against, but once they did, they ended up winning like eight straight at home, not counting the postseason. It, it's a big deal. It really turns the season around for a team because now you got that monkey off your back. You're off the snide. You can win at home. You can win a football game. Now you got to be a team other than the Saints at home. That, that, that's my next, uh, I guess, hurdle, if you will. But but this is big for them. I I, I mean, I'm sure they got tired of hearing. They're 4-2 on the road, and they're 0-4 at home. I, I mean, It was frustrating. It, it's frustrating for a football team to hear those words. Like, you should be able to take care of business in your own building. And, look, just watching Good Morning Football this morning, there you are crucifying the Buffalo Bills, crucifying them for getting blown out at home to the Indianapolis Colts yesterday. It, it's a big deal when you lose football games at home. Uh, here's the reason why I don't think it's as big a deal as we're making it out to be. One reason and one reason only. The quarterback. When they had Jalen Hurts for his post-game press conference yesterday, I actually said to myself, Jalen, 
are you awake? Yeah. He is so even keel. He does not let emotion play into it one little bit. Now, that's it's a little surprising on the upside when you win a home game and a crowd behind you and the kids are throwing your jerseys for you to sign after you run a touchdown in and you downplay. But it's great on the road when you don't let the other crowd get under your skin. You just stick to the game plan. You let your emotions not guide you when you're out there on the field. Jalen Hurts isn't the kind of guy. If if I had if I thought they had a quarterback that I thought was raised up by playing at home, then I'd get uh, all juiced up about getting a home win. That's not Jalen Hurts. He's Mr. Consistently damn close to flatline. He is like Jerry Seinfeld in Seinfeld. He's even Steven, no matter what happens to him, good or bad. Yeah. I've only gotten that guy to smile once in my multiple interviews with him, and that was mentioning Alabama, Nick Saban, and Rat Poison. Oh, oh no, sorry, twice. Um I asked him about Nick Sirianni's competitions with him. He goes, I'll tell you about that after the season. He kind of smiled at me. I'm like, all right, well, he's the guy shows some emotion in life. But, yeah, you're right. He's so even keeled toward every day. I think he shows on the football field when he's scoring touchdowns and, you know, when he's just, you know, L1-ing defenders. But outside of that, it's – I just think he treated that as just another game. And, look, they're trying to get to the top of the mountain. That's what the Indianapolis Colts have said on hard knocks. They're, they're trying – the Eagles are searching for more than being the New Orleans Saints because Hurts probably looks that same way I do. Yeah, you're in a good position to go to the playoffs right now just based on your schedule, but you're still on the outside looking in, and the Eagles didn't get any help yesterday from first-place teams. <clears throat> well, I'm going to give you some advice, Jeff, next time you talk to Jill. I'm going to tell you how to get him to smile. Talk about other people, and he will he will go. Yeah, the one that's just one of them, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he he will not waver from what Jody said when he's talking about himself. It will be even keel. But if you talk about high school, even more so than uh, college, he will light up. He, he loves talking about that stuff, and he loves talking about his teammates, and that's one of the positives about him as a leader and why everybody talks about his natural leadership ability. Um. I do want to talk about the running game because 242, they cracked the Saints, the best run defense in football. They beat that number, 72.9, by the end of the first quarter. They were one over 150 by halftime, three out of four games over 200 uh, yards. Nick Sirianni, and I agree with him, the reason for that is Jalen Hurts and the way people have to play, and they're just spooked by his ability. But I do want to also bring up that offensive line. I mean, they are just killing people. Lane Johnson, um, Jason Kelsey, I think Dan Orlovsky put his double block out there. People should take a look at that. Um, And he's a Hall of Fame player. I used to waver. Is Jason Kelsey Hall? No, he's a Hall of Fame center. You're watching. You're you're watching a Hall of Fame player. Jordan Mylott is just beating people up. And then they have the young guys who, let's be honest, they could be better. They could have Brooks in there. They could have Sayamala would be even better. But they're really taking advantage of the young guys and what they do well, and that's going straight ahead. How good is this offensive line? It's definitely one of the best in football, if not the best. And, look, there were two teams yesterday, two games I watched where I was just – actually, sorry, three. 
where I was just amazed at what their offensive lines were able to do. And the Eagles were one of them. Jordan Mulata is just pushing Cam Jordan on the ground with one hand. He's getting in the scrums of Mark. <laughs> the one-handed block was amazing. Yeah. yeah it, it's a Landon Dickerson bullying people around in the run game. I think that's one of the reasons why they're running the football as much as they are. I think Jeff Stoutland and Nick Sirianni saw on tape, look, this guy is an absolute beast in the run game. So we got to run the football a little more and clear up the A and B gaps. Landon Dickerson's been doing that. Jason Kelsey's helping him out. Uh, you know, Jack Driscoll's been great at right guard. Uh, you know, even Nate Herbig, when he comes in, it's uh, Lane Johnson's almost back to playing at his all pro level type self. It's uh, the entire offensive line is just bullying teams around. And that's why I'm curious when they face these teams twice in their division. Yeah. That, obviously I'd like to see him play Dallas again, see what they could do, but th- that game might not mean anything. And it all depends how week 18 shapes up, but you're looking at, the Giants twice, Washington twice, and Washington don't have Chase Young anymore, but I'm curious to see how that goes against their front. But this run defense with the Saints, they are legit good. I mean, this is a legit good Very defense. good. And they and were you, healthy. You, you just kicked them in the mouth. It's, you know, they're, they're like what everybody's calling the Buffalo Bills right now. It's, yeah, they're great. They beat up on the bad, on the, on the little, you know, little sisters of the poor. But then when you, you know, you could sting them a little bit. They kind of faltered. The, the Saints don't falter, and the Eagles just pushed them into the second level and just didn't relent the entire game. I, I was beyond impressed with that offensive. By the way, the three teams I'm talking about with great offensive lines: the Eagles, the Colts, and the Chiefs. They are just bullying people left and right every single week. Right. I, would, I, would, are... I would put Cleveland in there. As yeah, well. Cleveland's really good too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't get to watch Cleveland game yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the Chiefs running game has gotten better or got better last night because they got Clyde, Clyde Edwards Lair back. Uh, the guys they've been using haven't been as good. They're better than they were at the start of the season, but I'm still uh, not sold on the Chiefs offensive line just yet. Um, far be it for me to be Mr. Uh, negativity or glass half empty. Do it. Other than Devontae Smith and Dallas yeah. Goddard, who, oh, by the yeah. way, congrats on the new contract. We haven't even discussed that yet. Not a hometown discount, but not outrageous either. Howie Roseman did a damn good job negotiating that deal. He got it for for going rate. Not above and beyond, not an overpay, but not a hometown discount either. And I got to give Dallas Goddard a lot of credit for the Eagles' ability to run the football too because we know he's one of the better blocking tight ends in the National Football League. All that's great. And Dallas is great. And Devontae Smith is great. And J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was great for one play yesterday. One target. He has one target the whole one year. One target, yeah. one catch, the 20 yard buster. game. The trend buster. That's a high percentage of uh, producing out of J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Somebody's got to step up and be the third option in the passing game. I'll throw all the running backs in yesterday who did nothing coming out of the backfield. Um, who's going to be Jalen's third? I know that we're looking at the offense and it's looking great because they're running the football, but some week. Some team's going to come up with a way to stop the Eagles running the football. Who's going to be able to catch the ball other than Smith and Goddard? You know, Jody, your guess is as good as mine. You want to try out for that role? That's how bad it is right now. I say free Greg Ward. He's better than I am. I'm not ready to be out there. I'm ready to go Greg Ward again. What was Greg Ward's snap count yesterday? Do you guys have it on you? I think he had four. I I just tweeted it. Let me check it out real quick. I think he played four snaps. It's ridiculous, though. Like they just don't have anybody. You know, Jalen Rager has just been god awful. It's it's not even funny at this point. Like Justin Jefferson just 
does laps around him. Oh, this God. is a marathon. Yeah. It'll regularly be on mile one. Justin, Justin Jefferson yesterday. And uh, um, three snaps for Greg three. Ward. Oh, 4%. sorry. I said four. My you know, bad. 4%. He deserves a little bit more than three with the way this wide receiver group's going. I mean, they got nobody. I'm watching Steelers Chargers last night, and Mike Williams is a free agent. Howie, just overpay for the guy. It's just overpay for him. You need to get this quarterback some weapons outside Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. It, it, I, I I think they will get a, a veteran receiver in the offseason, and Howie won't overpay. I mean, the, the great thing, and Jody mentioned it, look, you can say what you want about Howie Roseman. He's going to sign good contracts. Um, comes down to evaluation, obviously, if a player doesn't perform, and that's the issue, but I, I, all right, I'm going to take this tag. So I'll throw this at both of you guys. They don't throw the football. So, I mean, they threw it 24 times. They don't have to throw it when they're rushing that well. 14 of those targets to Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. Who cares if you can run for 245 yards, 242 well, yards? That's where I was going to get to, too. It's like you don't have to throw the football when you're running like that. I mean, most teams do that. I mean, that that was always my defense of Lamar Jackson for pretty much until this year. You didn't have to throw the because the Ravens are just right down people's throats. Same with Baker Mayfield last year. Yeah, Baker Mayfield has a ton of flaws, but he didn't have to throw last year. It was Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Stop it. And – no one stopped it until the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional playoffs. And now that's, that's the problem, though. Yeah, is but it are the Eagles a Super Bowl team right now? Do we think the Eagles can be a Super Bowl? Team? No, I don't. I yeah. I don't know about you guys, but so where where's this balance? Look, the, we're gonna okay, we're gonna get to the nitpicking portion of the show. All the good with Jalen Hurts, plenty of good. Don't get upset, people. But, man, he holds on to the football too long. Man, he doesn't get the football out on time when they do throw the football. And to me, the reason why the the targets are Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, well, there's the obvious reason. They game plan. They're their best receivers. But they're also the receivers that are open. We've talked about Devontae Smith's separation all the time. Dallas Goddard, the big target. To me, Jalen doesn't like throwing people open. He's not comfortable with it. In other words, typically, if you're not Devontae Smith, you're not going to get three, four yards of separation. If you're not Justin Jefferson, you're not going to get three, four yards of separation. You're going to run a route. You know, NFL cornerbacks are good. Good quarterbacks throw people open. Can Jalen Hurts do that? I think he can in time. I don't think he can right now. And I don't think that's something that Jalen Hurts has to worry about right now. But I think he, oh, again, if he's going to be the long-term quarterback for the Eagles, which I think he's well on his way to be, he needs to get better at certain aspects of his game. And I agree with that, John. I, I agree that he needs to find ways to, you know, inst- outside Devonta Smith, you know, just throw the football. And, you know, there are some plays where, and I think this has to do with the lack of pass catching on on his end too. Like every time he throws the ball at Jalen Rager, it's a disaster. It just is. Like I, I wouldn't even, tr- I wouldn't even trust throwing the ball to him. But yet he does it because he's, you know, the, the primary receiver on that player. Whether I, I noticed that too. He always seems to go to whatever the primary option is. I think he needs to renew his progressions a little bit more. But overall, Jalen Hurts just provides something 
for the Eagles and the NFL that teams are just – it's hard to stop, and that's his running game. I mean, and when you get him in open field, he's scared, and he's a big guy. Like, people are worried about him carrying the football – uh, what was it, 18 times? I'm like, well, let's think. Two were knee, two were kneel downs. And I know Seth Joyner was complaining about this yesterday at one point, too. And I'm like, look. The, the no, it was only like, 10. It was only 10. I think they're 10. fine. Yeah, it was okay, only yeah. 10. Yeah, so, again, it's a weapon. And he's a big guy. Like, if he gets in, he gets injured, you know, big quarter. You know, Justin Herbert's a big guy, too. He, run, he runs a lot for a guy his size. He was a great – he had – Great success running the football last night. Well, yeah, well, yeah. and that—that's that, the thing. It's like it's just a weapon right now. I, I saw our buddy Mike K said, "Well, you you can't really put the Saints' run defense into account there because the Eagles have a mobile quarterback." And I said, "Well, isn't that a weapon that the Saints that that the Saints can't stop?" Like, yeah, yeah. A lot of these teams have, have, do have great run defenses, like Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay was able to stop Jalen Hurts. So I I just don't understand like that that logic there. Jalen Hurts is a weapon that really only two or three teams in the NFL have, and it's why the Eagles are winning football games at this point. Let me get back to unique player. I always say you very unique player. Let me get back to uh, the guys who have yet to step up and catch the ball other than uh, uh, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. Yesterday you had uh, Boston Scott got two targets Tyree Jackson, hey, they threw it to Tyree one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Tyree got a target, and uh, Miles got one, and Quez got one, uh, <laughs> and Rager got three and came up minus one yard. Uh, that's not a lot of work out of the backfield. Scott two, Sanders one, Howard none. Um, I, I, I know that that is a very much an acquired skill, the ability for the quarterback to pull the defense in, Get the football out quickly, depending on what the play is, is that what the design of the play is. That's a skill. And I don't know that Jalen Hurts has um, reached that skill level yet. But it also makes me question the running backs. And these guys are all veterans. Miles Sanders, to me, is even a veteran. Certainly Dawson Scott and Howard are. Is the Eagles throwing the ball to the running backs game where it needs to be at this point of the season? Absolutely not, Jody. Absolutely not. They, I get a little depressed when Miles Sanders isn't catching passes out of the backfield because I think that's a unique skill set he possesses. And I don't know if it's Miles just doesn't get open, doesn't run the right route. They just don't throw him the football. Yeah, the and, whole don't worry. Sorry to interrupt, Jeff. The whole everything worry, of, all of the above. <laughs> there we go. There's my answer, guys. All of the above. So yeah, it, you, you saw the pass down the sideline, Jeff. First of all. Okay, Miles isn't a receiver, and Jalen Hurts could have put a little bit more mustard on that throw, no question. You got to come back to that football. Oh, yeah. At the very worst, it's a pass interference. At the yeah. very worst. But yeah, he just didn't come back. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that could have been a touchdown. And yeah, he's yeah, just yeah, sitting there right. waiting for it, like he's on the playground with his kid. He's sitting there waiting for it. And I think it was Marcus Williams. Yes, uh, it was. Comes was racing over. Great yeah. play by him. And he's a great he's a great player. He's turned into a great player. But, I mean, you've got to come back for that football when you see it hanging up there. Um, I, Miles, and you're right. I mean, when Miles gets the football in his hands, look, special things can happen. But too often, and I remember this is two coaching regimes now, too often he's not in the right spot as an outlet receiver. And you know as a quarterback, when everything's going 100 miles an hour, Jeff, 
bang, 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 bang. And then you got your outlet receiver. Sometimes you don't even see the outlet receiver. You say, okay, my guy's here. I'm going to throw it. And Miles isn't in the right spot. That happened to Carson Wentz a bunch of times. And people say, what is Carson doing? Miles wasn't in the right spot. On the um, interception last year by uh, Siona, I can never pronounce the guy's name on Cleveland. The linebacker. Hockey, hockey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can never pronounce his name, but I don't think Miles Sanders is in the right spot there. I remember I roasted yeah. Carson Wentz for that last year, and I'm like, is Miles Sanders supposed to be like where he's supposed to be there? Because that, that throw just looked inexplicable. And then I started thinking, well, maybe it is a Miles Sanders thing. And I yeah. think this is where Boston Scott's valuable to this football team right now because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Is he the most elusive guy? No, but good things happen when the ball does come in his hands in space. And I, it's hard for them to keep four running backs up. It, it really is because, you know, Jordan Howard, you, you saw what he did yesterday. There, there's a reason why he was Yeah, there. I'm a little concerned about that injury. We'll see where yeah. that goes, Jordan Howard. I want to throw a curveball at both of you guys. We're trying to fix this problem. We're trying to get another receiver. The odd man out, which surprised me a little bit, was Kenny Gainwell in the running back. Why not have Kenny Gainwell as the slot receiver? It's a good question. <laughs> because my guess would be that he's done zero practice at that position. Well, yeah, but point, I mean, at, at, at the point we're trying to get somebody on the field, they rave about his his catching ability. Obviously, he's taken a step back at pass protection. That's why he got benched, which is understandable. But if you're split out, um, you're not. You don't have to worry about pass protection. Look. Jalen Rager's doing He's nothing. Jalen Rager. Greg <laughs> Ward is playing three snaps. Why not? Why not try something different? It's it's a really legitimate point, John. But I know uh, I don't know Nick Sirianni that well, but I know coaches around the National Football League. Oh yeah, they're not going to. They do don't it. like to no. just throw guys in and go. Well, it makes sense. Let's try this. No, unless they get, and we all talk about it all the time that. The NFL has this limited amount of practice time because of the CBA. You can only spend so much time. If this was 1982, I would tell you, yeah, get him in at 7.30 in the morning. Let him run 175 routes. Let him get used to it. They can't do that anymore. There's no such thing as practice time with the team other than the slotted little amount of time they get every single week. He's not going to get up to speed. They're not going to have confidence in They're not going to ask him to do that. They won't even think about it. Well, they should. See- it's something that maybe they should have thought of way back in preseason. They're not going to do it at this point of the uh, year. Do we see J.J. Ortega-Whiteside kind of get involved more in the passing game now that he's one for one on targets this yeah. year? Who, who, I remember I asked Nick this in the press conference because week one he was talking about – week one he was talking about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside – and he said, at some point, we're going to have to reward him with a target because people are going to figure out. Oh, so how, many weeks, him, how many weeks did it yeah, take, John? It Ten only weeks? took him till week 11 to <laughs> finally get him. The trend buster. And he wouldn't He wouldn't give up on I, – I wanted to know if J.J. was, was the first option because that's pretty ballsy if he was the first option on that play. He wouldn't give it up. I can't imagine he was. I have to re-look. I have to re-watch the game. The, the, the Saints just seemed shocked. Oh, why he, wouldn't they he be? He got the ball. It's, why wouldn't they be? It's If there was one question I could have asked Sean Payton yesterday, that would have been it. And uh, he would have given me, given me such a 
BS answer. He be, he looked miserable yesterday. Man. Well, he should be. Why are you? Why are you? By the way, Jeff, I brought this up with Jody. You're down 14 points. It's fourth and whatever seven. Yeah. Why are you kicking? Fourth, why? Why are you kicking a field goal? Why are you making a two score game? A two score game. Saints fan said to me on Twitter. You know, this is the guy you're getting on the guy too much. And I said, Look, this is the same guy who kicked an onside kick in the Super Bowl. Like, what are you doing? It's, I mean, you don't have faith that your quarterback can get. Well, look, I don't have faith in a quarterback. You're not going to still convert, down two but... scores. That, that was the point. I'm like, Okay, so you still need a touchdown, a two point conversion, and a field goal. I, yeah. What was the logic in this? Like, what, what, was Sean Payton trying to play Scorigami or something? By the I'm, way, I'm trying to figure out: is there some analytics guy that I'm missing? Because I'm I'm willing to listen if if there's some kind of percentage that he made the right decision. I I can't figure that out for the life. It was a 28 yard field goal too. Oh, by the way, your field goal kicker is Brett Maher, who isn't good. So it's yeah, uh, but he but he made the field goal, but still that was a huge stop. I, I want to focus on the fact that the Eagles. Defense playing this prevent style had been shredded for a couple of possessions, and they did come up with the big stop there, uh, including on third down, getting uh, Hargrave out on the edge to make a play from defensive tackle on the screenplay. So credit to him. And there's another guy on defense I want to give credit to. Um, I do uh, my CBS Sports Radio show on Sundays. I jump on with Zach Gelb end of I on football and then do my own show at the end of I on football. We give out game balls, uh, three apiece. Zach gives out three. I give out three. I gave him one of mine to TJ Edwards. The guy had double digit tackles again. That's three times now in the last four games. He's been the Eagles leading tackler interception yesterday. Um, a tackle for loss yesterday and two passes defended. One was the interception, but he had another pass defended. We talk about Jonathan Gannon's defense and the fact that he is taking a lot of the tenants from Minnesota from whence he came. And Zimmer's defense has been good because he's had playmaking linebackers. And, oh, by the way, the Eagles don't have any playmaking linebackers. Is T.J. Edwards a playmaking linebacker? I think he's going to be a factor in this defense for a couple years. I mean, at the very worst, T.J. Edwards is death. But this is he? Hold on. I'm sorry to interrupt, Jeff. Is he up for a contract extension? As long as we're extending Goddard, as long as we're extending Avante Maddox, is T.J. Edwards a guy that Howie Roseman's going to talk to? Schwartz would sign him by now if he was here. Eric Schwartz loved T.J. Edwards, so uh, you know uh, he won't cost that much. Why not? Just pay the guy. It's uh, this defense has been so much better with him and Devion Taylor at linebacker. It's it's honestly insane. And uh, matter of fact, I tweeted yesterday: T.J. Edwards is the best linebacker on this football team. Period. Uh, you know. Easily. Yeah. So, oh yeah. By uh, wide I, I would margin. pay him. I, I I mean not I wouldn't pay him a lot, but I would definitely pay him. He he makes plays and Simeon can say all he wants that Troutman was open. I'm like, he was not open. He was not if he was open, then you barely Well, I, I don't know. It certainly look again, I watched the game. I mean, he he badly underthrew that ball. If he put if he put a little bit of air underneath it, I think he was open. Um, I do think it was a bad throw, but TJ's been great. Um, I agree with Jody. You know, he gets pigeonholed. Guys get pigeonholed. They say, oh, he can't run. He ran whatever he ran, a 4-8. Right. Um, uh, he can't be a three-down linebacker. He's too big. He's an old-school run stuffer. And all of a sudden, he's got two pass. He had another pass defense besides the interception. 
And I always go back. I'm going to. I I've told Jody this story. I'm going to tell it to you, Chip. One of the best nickel linebackers I ever saw was Jack Del Rio. Could not run a lick. But he was so smart. He was so savvy. He understood zone coverage. He understood where to be at all times. And then he was with Minnesota at the time. Then they tried to find uh, the traditional nickel linebacker, the guy who can run. And there was this kid named Dontarius Thomas from Auburn. And he could run. He was like Davion Taylor. He could run a 4-4. He was also like the smartest guy in the world. He had like 1,500, 1,600 SATs, whatever. Couldn't play. Took Had no instincts for the position. Constantly took false steps. So if you can run a 4-4, but you take a false step, what the hell does it matter if you have the natural instincts of a TJ Edwards and you're going to be in the right position? And by John, the way, runs like a 4-6-5 now. John, your boy was the ultimate pigeonhole player until they realized all he did was sack quarterback and stop the run, John Randall. Yeah. That's, well, yeah. I mean, he, that's the he, ultimate pigeonhole player in Nashville. Did John go undrafted? Yeah. And and the draft was and the draft was 12 rounds when yeah. John came up. It's, 12 rounds. The NFL is all the same player. I, I think they overthink things. It's like you said, they look at, you know, the combine stuff and they look at, oh, he can run a 4-4, he can do that. Well, look, Jalen Rager, like I, I saw someone tweet yesterday, how the heck was Jalen Rager a first-round pick? I'm like, I'm like, you want to know his first-round pick? Speed. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I, I mean, the talent's there. It's just, I don't think he knows how to play football. I think he's lost confidence and – because at times, let's be honest, I mean, it, at times Jalen has gotten down the field. Now they've turned him into a manufactured touch bubble screen player. He's I think it's a combination of he's lost confidence, and um, that's difficult when you lose confidence in this league, to be honest. All right, Jeff Kerr, last thing. Uh, looks to me like you have a Giants blue T-shirt on. I'm not sure CBS the sports footy, is it CBS? Oh, okay. nah, I think it's big blue. I think it, we got uh, a giant. Yeah. What, it's what, a royal blue. What's, what's the logo on the hoodie? Is that a giant logo? I see. No, there? that's a CBS logo too. CBS logo again. All right, I didn't <laughs> know that's CBS. a Super Bowl logo that the Giants and Cowboys do not see. Oh, okay. No. Uh, I'm just saying the color kind of because <laughs> I know how big a fan of the Giants you are. I know oh, how yeah. big a fan of Joe Judge that you are. Giants going to get beat up tonight, which is only going to make it for, easier for the Eagles come Sunday? You know, this is a week-to-week league. Who knows? At this, point, I'm done picking games. I'm, I'm all right in getting trashed by Texans fans because they want game number two, and I have them going one and 16. So, <laughs> Yeah, who, who did not the Texans win in that game? I, I certainly didn't. It's uh, of course uh, I, I nobody has that. It is a, it's been a crazy year, but uh, that is one of the craziest of them all. The Houston Texans beating the Tennessee Titans. That oh, is, by the way, the Titans are still the number one seed in the AFC after all that. It's everybody's panicking in Buffalo, and everybody's getting ready to book their flight to LA and Indianapolis, and. You know the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl. I'm like, yeah, okay, Kansas City's still around, and it's. It's a crazy AFC right. There's 12 teams, 500 or better. As bad as the Raiders look right now, they're still in it. And I, I'll say this. I think they can beat Dallas on Thursday. It, it's- All right. Hold on. 
Did I not ask you if the Giants were going to get beat tonight? How the hell did we get off on this tangent yeah. of all the other games? Oh, I asked you about one specific game, Kerr. Giants, Bucks tonight. What the hell's going to happen? I were, the Bucks are going to beat them. This is the Bucks get right game. The Giants are everybody's get right game. So <laughs> it, it's. I, I already had to hear it from one of the guys I work with who is a big Giants fan. And he goes, we're ready for the battle tonight and the war next Sunday. I'm like, the war, oh. the battle. I'm like, if the Eagles are your war, that's pretty. That's a pretty low standard. Yeah, there's not going to be much of a battle tonight. That's my prediction. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I told, I, I was making the. I'm like, if you really want war jokes, I'll go back in history. I'll make some war jokes for, for Eagles Giants because it. What it was it? The Giants have won just once in like the last ten meetings or something like that. Oh my God! The the Eagles owned Eli Manning. I think they still. I think they have a stock in the Manning cast because they I, they own part of Eli Manning. Back when I was at twenty four seven Sports, I think one of the most popular posts I ever did was when the Eagles finally passed the Giants in the all time meeting, and they never ever had the lead in that series. Eagles fans went nuts. They're like, wait, what? This is a thing? I'm like, yeah. Uh, the Eagles ne- never had a lead over Washington, I think. I don't think they might have had a lead over Dallas because Dallas was terrible in 1960. But besides that, they never had a lead Early, over they might have had a lead on Dallas. I, I don't know what the all-time record is. I think Dallas is pretty significantly. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it, Cowboys, I think Cowboys kind of went yeah. by him like they were standing still. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Eagles and, and Giants are up and down and yeah, I think Sunday's going to be a good game, but I think the Giants are coming in licking their wounds off a beatdown by the Bucks tonight. All right, uh, Mac Man, you got uh, COVID testing one day this week? Uh, I don't have the schedule. I assume it's going to be Wednesday. So yeah, and I gonna, assume Jeff Kurt's going to be on. with me Wednesday, right back here on Birds Three Sixty Five. I'm, I'm playing on him. I'm doing Sunday Night Football this week, Ravens-Browns. I am praying Lamar Jackson is healthy enough to play that game because I still don't know how the Ravens beat the Bears yesterday. But fire Matt Nagy, chance to turn the game. Fire Matt Nagy. Poor Matt Nagy. The the Ravens beat the Bears because the Bears are the Bears. They... The Bears aren't very good. Uh, so uh, And yeah. now they don't have Khalil Mack. So. But, by the way, John, you want to see the craziest sequence of plays. Just watch one part in that game. It's like the, the Bears are on a fourth and one with like seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter and it's nine to six. And Matt Nagy just completely botched it in every way. He did. He ran a wildcat with David Montgomery and there was a penalty on the play after he had to call a timeout to set that play. Hey, up. by the way, the Eagles botched a wildcat. We're not talking about yeah, that. Yeah, they, talking they, about they, nit, nitpicking. But it wasn't as egregious as Matt no. Nagy. <laughs> that was embarrassing. You, you get away with it when the end of the game yeah. is a W. Yeah, kind of. That, that kind of flies underneath the radar. Jeff Kurt, thanks for flying in and joining us today. Thanks, bud. Yep, sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. We are the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365 with assist from Jeff Kerr. Uh, JM and I will return in just a couple of minutes. We'll get an assist from Chris Franklin of NJ.com in hour number two. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. 
Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. He is John McMullen. I am Jordan McDonald. That makes this the Mac and Mac Burgess 365 Victorious Monday edition. Eagles coming off their win against the Saints in which John McMullen thought that it never got close in the second half, that he had every bit of confidence that that game was over. And I got a little worried when they got within 14 and got inside the red zone with eight men left to play, I'll be honest. But they got the big stop and they end up winning the game. Uh, two guys I want to talk to you about, John, who contributed uh, mightily to yesterday's W. One with not only catches, but his addition to the blocking up front with the Eagles just dominantly running the football down the throat to the best run defense in the National Football League. The other with his coverage skills and his ability to come off the corner. Avante Maddox almost got a sack yesterday. Uh, the two guys who got contract extensions during the week. Uh, by the way, I want to thank the birds for waiting till after birds 365 is over on Friday to I announce those do. two signings. Thank I you very do. much. I like uh, to thank him for doing it on Saturday. Avante's come on, give us a day, give us a day, Eagles. And it was well, the good news is that they got both guys signed. Uh, the good news is I think both guys are seriously contributing players for the Eagles. The good news is 
they paid going rate, comping them out to other guys who play their position and put up their type of production in the league, they 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 held the line. They didn't blatantly overpay. You and I both had some concerns that that was going to be the case with Dallas Goddard for the fact that they had been talking to them for as long as they had and hadn't been able to get a deal done. We surmised that, oh, yeah, they want to get overpaid. They want to get above and beyond market rate, and there isn't going to be a hometown discount. Well, the way the numbers played themselves out, he got what he deserved. It wasn't a blatant overpay. It wasn't a hometown discount either. And I had suggested, uh, shoot, uh, two months ago, two, three months ago, that Avante Maddox was a candidate for a contract extension. And he's had a really solid year as their nickel cornerback. You got to give the nod to Howie Roseman. There are certain things about the general manager's job that Howie Roseman is real good at. There's a couple of things that are kind of key to the general manager's job that Howie Roseman has had major issues with and struggles. But getting players extended who they identify as guys they want to go forward with and getting them done without having to overpay to keep them here is absolutely one of Howie Roseman's strengths. And he did it not once, but twice this weekend, John. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's uh, I mentioned that in hour one as well. It's a strength of Howie Roseman. He's always going to sign contracts that make sense when they're signed. And by that, I mean, look, everybody, if somebody fails as a player, everything's always about player evaluation. But if somebody fails as a player, it's not going to look good in revisionist history. When you look at in the moment, in the time, he always signs good contracts. He he always signs sensible contracts. Um, and Dallas, uh, uh, you know, if, if he would have waited, he could have became the highest paid tight end. He landed right where I thought he would land. Um, second behind George Kittle in average annual value. Third behind George Kittle and Mark Andrews in guaranteed money. Um, that's 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 a big deal for the Eagles sentiment. They're typically looking for Jordan Mailata, uh, Josh Sweat-like contracts, which are truly, truly team-friendly deals. Um, so it wasn't that, um, but it wasn't, you know, setting the precedent either. So I thought that's where Dallas would land. That's where he landed. That's why the deal got done. Avante never thought it was going to be a problem because of the position he plays. Those four guys just don't get paid. So uh, Buffalo signed their slot corner, kind of set the market, and Avante came in just below that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that's just, unfortunately, there's certain positions in the NFL um, that aren't paid like other positions. And if you think about the modern NFL, that's a fight they got to have because slot cornerbacks are just as important in our starters more than that third linebacker. Forever, for whatever reason, the money hasn't caught up to that, and the Eagles took advantage of it. Got a good player um, at a very cost-effective extension. I, I love both of the two signings for the Eagles, um, and I don't want to get too enamored with Howie Roseman and his ability to do these type things, because you're right, he doesn't get them right all the time. I don't want to make it sound like he hits on these 100%. Alshon Jeffries. Um, yeah, and you're right. It then comes down to the player. If the player flops, well, then the general manager flops. 
Well, that's what it's all about. If yeah. Dallas Goddard does what he's supposed to, well, then you're going to look at this deal and go, oh, that's a solid deal. That's an undermarket deal. So it always comes back to the production of the player, but sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. Howie Roseman gets a pretty damn high percentage of those right. Uh, so let me ask you, I, I put it out there for both you and Jeff, and I know Jeff answered it. Uh, T.J. Edwards has really been a key to this uh, ticked-up Eagle defense, and it is an important part of Jonathan Gannon's defense. you got to have a linebacker who can make tackles, who can make plays. Um, there's only two linebackers on the field, and sometimes there's only one linebacker on the field. Although Jonathan Gannon did say they're not a dime team yet. Uh, so usually it's two linebackers on the field, and Edwards has now established himself as the best Eagle linebacker. And I think that there's a little bit of a difference between he and anybody else you want to mention. Davion Taylor isn't there yet. Singleton came in, played well yesterday in, in reserve for Taylor, but there's a reason why Edwards went by him. Do you think that's something that Howie Roseman will attempt to do between now and the end of the season? Um, it's possible. I mean, it, the, he's got some time on TJ because TJ, it, as an undrafted player, uh, you get three-year deals. Um, so he, he signed in 2019, so his contract is up after this season. Um, however, um, you're a restricted free agent. Um, so all the Eagles would have to do is tender him, and they pretty much have him at a cost-effective rate. Now, the question is, where are you going to tender him? Uh, if you tender him at his original value, of an undrafted free agent, is somebody going to come in and offer him uh, an offer sheet, a bigger deal? Eh, he plays linebacker. He is pit- pigeonholed. And by the way, when he when I said pigeonholed with Jeff Curry, he's not only pigeonholed by the Eagles, he's pigeonholed by everybody else. Right. In a lot of ways, this league is backward thinking when it comes to – we talked about pedigree all the time. We We continue to talk about it. They're backward thinking. And that's always going to be on his resume. Oh, this kid's undrafted. What's wrong with him? What 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 are we missing? What are we going? In other words, I don't think anybody's going to come out of the woodwork and say we're going to offer T.J. Edwards a big time deal. So the Eagles have time. Uh, could they get him at a very cost effective rate? And that's what Howie will do if he can, and he'll probably do it, uh, especially if Jonathan Gannon likes him, and I think he does. It says, okay, this guy's a part of my defense. Uh, let's get him locked up. Then I'll do it. But he has time because he has that re- restricted free agent tender route he could go, which kicks the can down the road another year. All right, let me go one more spot here. We got uh, Chris Franklin of NJ.com going to join us in about 10 minutes from now. Um, this will uh, go over very well with Philadelphia Eagle fans. Uh, yesterday, not only were the Eagles victorious, but the Cowboys were losers. And I actually had the wrong read on that game. I thought that both teams were going to move the ball up and down the field, and it ended up as a 17-9 to game. You could have knocked me over with a feather that they were only going to score 28 combined points. I thought the loser was going to score 28 points in this game, and I thought the loser was going to be the Cowboys, which they were. 19-9, so 28 yeah, nineteen nine Chiefs. What did I say? Seventeen nine. Seventeen. Okay. Right. Um. Yeah, they ended up uh, winning by ten. Uh, 
the Cowboy offense just disappeared in that game. I know they were without Amari Cooper, which is a pretty significant loss, but um, they still have pretty good third and fourth wide receivers. Sorry to say, Eagle fans, I like their third and fourth wide receivers better than the Eagles' third (laughs) and fourth wide receivers. Um, But still, they couldn't get the ball into the end zone. And in doing a show with uh, Zach Elb yesterday on CBS Sports Radio, uh, I am football, I did mention to Zach that a couple of guys that he had on – uh, Joe Gillio, WIP, and uh, Ian Eagle, good buddy of mine, one of the best play calls in the National Football League, had both in the previous week stated that the Cowboys were the team to beat in the NFC. Now, prior to the game, I disagreed with that. After the game, coming up with single-digit points, a nine-spot yesterday for the Cowboys, I certainly believe that. Not that anybody jumped up and stamped themselves as the best team in the NFC yesterday because the Saints, uh, the uh, Packers got beat. And, yes, the Cardinals won, but they're without their uh, starting quarterback, and they beat a bad Seattle team that's falling apart at the seams. But those who have put the Cowboys on the level of the Packers and the Bucks and the Cardinals, I think they're just kidding themselves. And I even said last night on uh, Ion Football, it's not impossible that the Philadelphia Eagles could win the NFC East. It's a long shot. There's a lot of ground to be made up there yesterday, uh, before yesterday. But now they're one game closer because they won and the Cowboys lost. Can the Eagles get to within one game of the Cowboys going into week 18, John? Well, I got to look at the Cowboys schedule. I'll, I'll pull it up maybe in the break, but um yeah, I mean, I guess it's They got possible. a bunch of games against the Washington football team and the Giants, too. Yeah, yeah. Eagles. So, yeah. Then I would say no. <laughs> I'm not thinking. Now, I mean, the Cowboys are a better team. I mean, you mentioned, I don't know when it happened. I know C.D. Lamb got a concussion. So, I don't know how far in the game it was. Uh, right, was... right. I think it was right before the half, as a matter of okay. fact. They played the second half without Yeah. So, you know, that's that's a big loss as well. But but then as a whole, we've talked about this season. I mean, you just mentioned four of the teams. I would add the Rams at one point. You know, if you're going to go on the record and say so-and-so is the clear leader that's going to represent the NFC in the, in, in the Super Bowl, you're going to be embarrassed at some point because everybody's had that kind of game. Tampa Bay's had that kind of game. Uh, even Arizona's had that type of, of game. The Rams have had that type of game now, obviously. Uh, the Packers have had that type of game. Uh, everybody, but I do think those five teams, and the Cowboys are in the five teams, are head and shoulders above the rest who are all fighting for the sixth and seventh uh, spot. All right, but out of those five teams, where's the drop-off? Is it there's one team and they're unquestionably the best, and then there's a drop off from two to one, or is it? The top I don't two think teams that's that, my point. I could see any of those five teams beat. You the think other. they're all even? I I don't think they're even. I would default to Tom Brady for obvious reasons. I default to Aaron Rodgers because I love Aaron Rodgers as a player. They've been through it. They've done it. They probably know how to win more than those other teams. All I'm saying is, it wouldn't surprise me if Arizona beat them. In, in in January, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. They're they're good enough to beat them. The Rams are good enough to beat them. Um, the Cowboys are good enough to beat them. But I would probably default to 
to Tampa Bay and Green Bay more than those three. So I guess if you forced say to top pick, two I would and say, then a break, I'd yeah. say three. I put Arizona in that top tier. They won two out of the last three weeks, sons. They're starting quarterback yeah, that's and maybe impressive. the best wide that's receiver impressive. in the National Football League. Yeah, but they had the game. They had the game where the kid missed the 37-yard field goal. They should have lost, and you get lucky, and you, you you win a game, and people forget about it. They've had bad games as well, is my point. Everybody's had bad they've had, games. They've had less than other teams. They got the best record in the league. That's plain and simple. So uh, I put them with the Packers and the Bucks. And then the Cowboys, fourth that. Rams, Cowboys, uh, toss a coin between those two teams. Uh, that's the way I rank the NFC. I do not think the Cowboys are in the top four or the equivalent of the top three teams, which is a good place to be. Did the Eagles just dig themselves too big a hole for the division? Is that the reason why? I mean, they... I think the Cowboys are a better team than the Eagles. Not number, I You know, I just think they have more talent. I think the Eagles are in the... You know, I think people are excited. They're playing better. There's still a lot of holes on on the Eagles. Uh, I don't think. Um, look, we've been talking about this since the spring and summer. You and I had this team better than most people because we saw the landscape. We saw. All right, it's really difficult in, in the first half of the schedule. the The bottom half is going to be pretty easy if they get through it uh, and 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 persevere and get to these games. And by the way, on top of that, Jody, these were two games, Denver and New Orleans, where you said, well, they might win them, but they're probably going to lose them or at least lose one of the two. But things broke in the Eagles' way. I can't remember it back-to-back games against teams missing all of their starting offensive tackles. It's not the Eagles' fault. You take advantage of it. right? And they've been able to take advantage of it and now all of a sudden you have the really easy portion of the schedule. So maybe we were at eight wins. Maybe that goes to nine wins. Maybe it goes to 10 wins. Who knows? But I do think Dallas is a better, more talented football team. Yes, but I do feel pretty good about my Eagles eight wins right about now. Oh, uh, so do I. Yeah. Uh, not not everybody had the Eagles getting eight and nine. McMullen I feel, and I, feel I lowballed them. I'm kind of feeling at this point yeah, when I got, look at this schedule. They got an actual chance to get more than eight, be on the right side of 500. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. Coming up next, we're scheduled to talk to Fr- Chris Franklin from NJ.com. Uh, we'll get him up here next. Uh, got a lot uh, more to do breaking down the Eagles' victory over the Saints here on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. 
when it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Nice to have it victorious. Birds 365 on a Monday after a showdown between the Saints and the Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field, the first win of the year, and the first win in 11 months. Well, we found out the Eagles can beat the Saints at the link. We've known that now for a year of change because it was the last home win that they got. Now they got to actually beat somebody else. Chris Franklin from NJ.com uh, jumps aboard with us. Are the Eagles going to win another game at Lincoln Financial Field this year, Chris? Yeah, I think they re- I really think uh, they are. The way the schedule set up. I, there might be a couple. Who would have thought that looking at the beginning of the season? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, how easy is the schedule, Chris? But, you know, where are we getting ahead of, uh, ahead of ourselves with the Eagles? I mean, back-to-back trips up the Jersey Turnpike, Giants-Jets. You know, this can go really sour if they don't handle their business up at MetLife Stadium over the next couple of weeks. I think the Giants one is going to be a lot tougher. And I think people are thinking they're treating this like their Super Bowl in a way or a playoff game because they still it's still very fresh in their minds what happened last year with them pulling Jalen Hurts in the first half. And I think they have I forget who it is, but I think they're retired putting somebody in their ring of honor at halftime as well too. They're putting all their eggs in one, one basket because I think they thought they it's would like, be in a position it's like to the homecoming those. game. It's yeah, like pretty a college much. homecoming. <laughs> it really it really is. <laughs> So they're thinking like, okay, we can come back, and they kept us out of the playoffs last year. They're really taking this seriously, so you, you can't overlook it. I'm, in fact, I know this sounds weird. I'm thinking I'm more worried about the Jets game because I think it's right, it's right before a bye week, and it's the Jets. And you got who knows? Maybe Joe Flacco knows that offense a little bit Joe more. Joe Flacco slinging it yesterday, <laughs> Jody. How was it? How was Joe Flacco? Was it, was a- he wasn't the reason that they lost the game. He wasn't terrible, but he was, he was Joe Flacco. He wasn't great. Yeah. Um, but I'm intrigued by what Chris said. I should know this. I don't. Didn't they already do the Eli Manning retirement thing earlier this year? 
Who the hell Eli. are the Giants putting in their ring of honor other than Eli? I'm not sure. I'm not sure who it is, but they're really. They, Odell they have, Beckham Jr. Really is that the? Is that really <laughs> <laughs> th- th- Thanks for going away. Uh, it's, uh, we know it's not Cleveland for sure with Odell. Uh, he's not going to that rank anytime soon. But they're going to have a. Uh, I forget. I gotta look it up. I forgot who it was. But somebody's going up there. They're, they're, they brought him back specifically for that Eagles game. I was like. Okay, I did not know that. And the Giants don't <laughs> scare me. And by the way, I think the Giants get beat by two touchdowns tonight. So it's short week for the Giants off a beatdown by the Bucks. Yeah, they can get their mad on. Are they going to be able to get their game on, though, and beat the Eagles? I don't see it. Let's just offhand, just looking at it before looking at what happens the film for this week. I just don't I, I don't see it right now. I think the Eagles win this game, and I think they win it handily. I think the way the Eagles are running the ball right now, they're controlling the clock. They're and they've played a lot on defensively, especially too. They're playing a lot more press coverage, and they look better when it comes to at least applying pressure and are forcing turnovers. And when you look at what the Giants have issues with, they turn the ball over. And I think the Seagulls' defense and the defense will play well enough. And I think this offense can have a field day running the ball on the ground. All right, we're jumping ahead too much. We got to talk. We got to enjoy the win. <laughs> we got the twenty-four hour rule, Jody. So let's 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 start. With the New Orleans Saints, where were you most impressed? I think, obviously, uh, the running game continues. 200 yards, offensive line gets a game ball again, Chris. Um, (laughs) Defense showed some life, more aggression against a poor quarterback. What what were you most impressed with, uh, with the Eagles win? I think I was most impressed with the attitude the offensive line showed because we know they're they're opening holes for those running backs and Jalen Hurd. But I thought when you look at the way Jordan Mailata goes back and defends Hurts, you look at the way Jason Kelsey gets out there and not only gets one but two blocks on that long Miles Sanders run. You look at the way Mailata again gets into a wrestling match with Davenport. All those things, you start to see – it's a byproduct of the running game, I believe. You start to get this physicality, you get this mentality, you get to start pushing people around instead of taking all that – all the pass rush, I think it's now basically against that mindset and they're feeling like the bullies now. And I think that's going to be key. So it's almost apt that this year. And once I'm prefacing by saying it, I am not calling Jordan Mylod and Lane Johnson, John running in traits. I was for that. But the mentality those guys had when they were running the ball and, and the nastiness and that physical edge they had back in towards those years, you're starting to see that develop with this team now. And I think that's really important and key if they want to make a run and try to make a run into that seventh spot. And just overall for the future of this offense, I think they just need to continue with that physical edge, that aggressiveness. I think it'll bode well for them in the future. And I'll double down on your praise of Mylotta. Not only was he Mr. Protector yesterday, but he knows just how far to push the envelope. He (laughs) does get his point across, but he doesn't get the flag thrown on him. So I guess they're keeping him separate from Derek Barnett. Who? Hey, give Derek credit. He, He didn't even take a dumb penalty yesterday. So the Eagles... Played well, played smart, played efficiently. They checked all the boxes for me yesterday. Yeah, and and, and getting back to the defensive line, I mean, I thought for one that uh, I I thought they did okay for what they were tasked to do. I really thought I, I thought it was encouraging also that Jonathan Gannon actually sent a couple of blitzes. I mean, we saw Avante Mac- who would have thought Avante Mac would be one of the most effective blitzers coming off that edge, and especially when you start to see put that on film a lot more. Now you're getting that tackle. Whoever's going to be the tackle on that side, they see Avanti Max. Now they got to think, uh oh, do I have to slide out a little bit more to protect him? Or, and that frees up things for the inside for, like, say, a guy like Barnett or Josh Sweat. 
not Ryan Kerrigan, but there's other guys as well too, <laughs> potentially to go and, and, and get some more pressure. All right, I'm going to get you in trouble, Chris. Oh, I'm going to try to get you in trouble. <laughs> big, big weekend for the Goddard and Maddox household. Uh, Harry Roseman gets them both uh, under extensions, going to be long-term foundational pieces of this team, and they're playing good football. Is it time to give the devil his due? Is Howie Roseman doing a good job as the GM of the Eagles? I think he's doing a good job when it comes to – I'll give him that 18 draft. I'm going to hedge my bet on this one. The 18 draft <laughs> and structuring the contracts, I think he's doing a good job on that. Some of the later draft picks that he's made, especially the 2019 – the 20, yeah, the 2020 draft, really. I, I still got some questions on that. 2019 draft, still a little questions on that. Right. A few questions There's on there, question too. But Right at the top of the 2020 yeah. draft. but i think overall i think when you look at that draft class and what they were able to uh, who they were able to acquire and even even for a six round pick matt Pryor for a six round pick you get he was serviceable enough that you could use him as your swing guy for a little bit it's not going to be your uh, full-time starter but he was serviceable enough that you could plug him put him and plug him in there even though they trade him away and they got a draft pick for him too so that 18 draft, he did a good job. And I think when he comes to restructuring his contract and managing salary cap, it does all right. All right, Chris. Uh, yesterday was another winning effort for the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. And he only rushed for three touchdowns, which doesn't happen in the <laughs> National Football League. The quarterbacks get three touchdowns, rushing touchdowns in one game. As a matter of fact, it's the first time ever in Philadelphia Eagle history that a quarterback ran for three touchdowns. And they've had guys named Donovan McNabb and Randall Cunningham, who could run it a little bit. And Jalen Hurts is the first ever to do it in an Eagle unit. Don't forget Mike Vick. You got to throw Mike in there as well. And Vick. Yeah, by that point, he wasn't Mike Vick of Atlanta, but he was still maybe the best running back and uh, running quarterback in the NFL. We're not including Mike McCann in that? (laughs) Mike Mike McMahon. Here's, Here's my question. Is this sustainable? Can Jalen Hurts continue to do what he's doing right now over a long period of time? Or if you do this, are you putting your quarterback too much at risk? And I know everybody loves the mustache, but the Eagles are making an actual playoff run. Do we really want to see Gardner Minshew come in and decide whether the Eagles make the playoffs or not? I wouldn't want to see Gardner Minshew coming in there, but I think it's sustainable. And I think the reason why it's sustainable is what he's what Hertz is starting to do on these runs. If he sees that he doesn't have anything, he can't gain any additional yards or it doesn't put him in an advantageous thing to make a play, he'll either slide or he'll go out of bounds. And I think that's the way you keep sustaining that. He's not gonna he's not gonna get three touchdowns regularly. It's just not gonna happen. But the way this offense is running with the threat of him threatening him to take off on that edge, especially that zone read, it's definitely working and opening up a lot of other things. And when you look at Hurts, the one thing I'd probably say, even though he had three touchdowns, the thing that impressed me the impressed me the most was that when the Saints – it was like the Saints were trying to mush rush him a couple of times, trying to keep him in the pocket and trying to say, hey, you know what, we want you to try a throw down field. And when he did that, he was able to connect on a few of those as well too. He took time and I think he had like five or six seconds on one of them was that too, but he took time. He scanned his progressions. Now some of them weren't getting open downfield and that's a whole nother issue, but they were, he was taking that time. He was looking downfield, keeping his eyes downfield and he was able to make a throw. So not only was he able to run effectively and he can sustain that continuing to slide and, and avoiding hits, but he's throwing well in the pocket too. 
All right, Chris, uh, we got a nitpick too. Um, nothing's ever perfect in the NFL. When you came out of this game and you're doing your wonderful work in NJ.com with our buddy uh, Mike Kay as well, uh, at Chris Frank, at, at C. Franklin News right there. You can see it. Um, what were your concerns coming out of this game for the Eagles? Were there many concerns? Got to start with ball security and miles, I would imagine. Well, that's one of them, I mean, especially when you're backed up to your own goal line and twice, well, within within your own 20-yard line twice, and you fumble it and you got saved by the referees on a one. I think that's one of them there. I, I know he's trying to come back up come back out, get used to the game speed, get used to the feel of the game and, and moving around. But you can't – you got to protect the ball. You know, especially within that area, defenses are trying to make a strip and, and what they can and can to try to go ahead and capitalize on that field position. So that's one there. I'm really concerned that if – this team definitely plays better with a lead, but I'm concerned that – and I'm glad Sirianni addressed it, say he played conservative. They can't, when you get in those positions, you can't – you have to stick with what was running. And the Saints adjusted. I mean, we heard, I forget who it was, but somebody said they started stunning and slanting, and you saw it. They started doing the things, and it seemed like he went back to his comfort zone of throwing pass, 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 and the offense stalled out. They were having so much success running the ball, they had to continue doing that, and it just seemed like they ran away with that. And I'm I'm a little concerned about that, because especially with the schedule coming up, the Eagles could find themselves in similar positions again. And being up, and the last thing you want to do, especially against the division of the opponent, is give them life and believe that they're still in this game. So I'm a little concerned with that aspect of the things as well, too. Chris, potentially one of my concerns, again, this is a sustainability question. Can J.J. Arcega-Whiteside sustain 1,000% catch ratio? <laughs> that if you throw it to him, he catches it, and he makes a 23-yard gain. He's 100%. He's one for one in targets this year. Can he keep that ratio up? I don't think it's going to happen, but the murmur that we heard, the, the, the surprise that everybody in that press box has when we, we all saw it was J.J. that caught that ball, it was one of those things like, wow, he's there. Double, there. double check the number, right? Yeah. I'm watching yeah. it on TV and I double check. Was that was that Whiteside who caught that ball? It it really was. It, it, it was a little shocking. And it was nice to see him actually contribute. I thought he would. There's a couple. There's a couple instances, and in the, the Eagles have so, the Eagles have used wide receiver screens so many times, and yeah. he's been the blocker on there. I've been waiting for him to fake the wide receiver screen to like say Quez Watkins and have him take a shot deep and like wrestling around the, the in the red zone. I thought I'm still waiting for that just to see what happens. But it was nice. To see, I don't think sustainable. I think he's a he's a tweener at this point. I mean, he, he seems like he's like almost like he's a tight end without being a tight end per se, because he's out there blocking so much yeah. and he's on special teams, but it, it was nice to see him contribute once. And I just don't see, I mean, if there was a prop bet on a JJ Arcega white side catches for a remainder of the year, year, it was, it was, like it, it was the longest wait on a callback in history. You remember after the Atlanta <laughs> game, Chris, remember they had such success on the wide receiver screens and Nick Sirianni actually brought up, uh, at some point, we have to reward them with a target here and there. Other people are going to know what we're doing. It only took them 10 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the element of surprise. You wanted to lay like, hey, like two weeks, no. Three weeks, no. Five weeks, no. They'll definitely remember. Now, hey, let's go ahead and get that. Like, it, it was it was a shock. You know, and they re- I was shocked. That took a lot of guts to call that play. And, and 
It really was. If Dennis Allen, I'm pretty sure Dennis Allen wasn't thinking, you know what, J.J. Yeah. White's has number one option or two or three on that play, and it wound up hitting. I want to uh, run this by you because we talked about it already on the show, but I want to get your take on it too, Chris. Um, my estimation, just personal opinion, a lot is being made of, ooh, the Eagles got their first win at home this year. They lost to the Bucks, who were the uh, champions of football. They lost to the Chiefs, who were in the Super Bowl last year. And they lost the game that hung in the balance till late against the 49ers earlier this year. They were underdog in all three games, okay? All right, so they lost all three. No big deal. Doesn't indicate they can't win a game. Oh, they're favored against the Saints. Guess what they do? They win by double-digit points. I think the fact that they roll in three people are blown out of the water a little bit. That Oh, my God, the Eagles can't win at home. Oh, they haven't won in 11 months. Yeah, because six of the months were the offseason. So what? It's 11 months. It's three games. They lost three four, games. Four. They lost to the Chargers, too, Jimmy. Oh, oh that's four. right. I forgot the Chargers, which, of course, last second field goal. One like they were blown out, got beat by the Chargers because they couldn't get off the field on that last possession. So you're right. You're right. Four games. Um, then they were in the door against the Chargers, too. So what, what home game haven't they won that they were supposed to win, Chris? Well, I thought I know they're the thing that even though they went in as underdogs, I mean, a lot first off, a lot can happen in 11 months. You know, whatever last remaining hairs I have in my head, they fall probably fall off. So I had more hair at some point, one point or another, 11 months. So it's a long time. When you look at overall, when it comes to just the basically when it favors stuff, I still think they should have won the San Francisco game. Yeah, I still think they should have won that Chiefs game. They were they were in this game. Yeah, I still think they could have won it if, if they adopted. The philosophy that they've been using right now, running the ball and kept Patrick Mahomes on the sideline a little more, I think they could have, especially against that defense, the way the Chiefs defense were was at the time, they could have won that game. I really think if they adopted the same philosophy. But anyway, not the, not the way they were throwing uh, yeah, it earlier. But on. that's that's pretty good. Twenty twenty yeah. hindsight, there, big guy. Yeah, yeah. I, you know. I, I'm trying to remember <laughs> off the top of my head reading Chris Franklin the day after saying, you know, they could have beaten the Chiefs if they ran the football. <laughs> I, I don't remember you writing that or McMullen writing that now, or me I saying that say, here on Birds three sixty five. Nobody was going down that road at that time. I did say the yeah. Eagles outplayed San Francisco. Should have won that game. They should have won that game on the field. I thought they got outplayed by Carolina. They wanted so I kind of looked at those two as sort of you know xing each other out. Now yeah. Kansas City they got they got outplayed and they came back a little bit late in the game. That was in the when they were getting the garbage time numbers, whatever you want to call them, sort of the Saints numbers yesterday against the yeah. Eagles, right. garbage time. Yeah, uh, Trevor Simeon, Simeon. I think at one point Trevor Simeon his passer rating was sixteen point seven. And all of a sudden, you look at the end of the game, and his passer rating is better than Jalen Hurts. Well, who was the better quarterback? <laughs> Don't you love who? that number? It's just so it's all subjective. Oh, yeah, it's, it's so it's, it's such crazy. a dumb number. Who was the better quarterback in that game? But you know, it doesn't take into account context and garbage time and the Eagles putting the taking their foot off the gas. I I did think it was interesting, Chris, that when Nick Sirianni was discussing the success of the running game over 203 or four games. He put it all on Jalen Hurts. He said, look, this is the reason. I mean, the offensive line as well. But for people looking at Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard, they're getting openings because people are concerned about Jalen Hurts. And Jody asked you if it's sustainable. Here's my question. Not, I'm not worried about Jalen getting hurt. 
big, strong kid, smart, can't legislate injuries, all that stuff. If they get to the point at, that they're behind again and they need to score, say, 10 points in the fourth quarter, can they shift gears? Can they throw the football consistently and come back in a game like that? That's where I'd have a little bit of question still when it comes to him. I look at the way uh, he seems to make big plays in big moments. That, that, that's been his MO since college, and I think he could do that. When I just look at some of the other possibilities they have to throw the ball, you know teams are going to start looking at Smith and they're going to look at Goddard and basically take those away with like play three or four, whatever defense you play. And then I look at some of the other options that they have on the back end. We mentioned Rager before. He's having his issues. Quez Watkins, uh, for life, I don't know why they're not using them more, but they're not using them. Well, they don't throw right the ball. Yeah, yeah. So. And so you look at that, and then I think teams are going to start maybe putting a little bit more pressure. It's like if I'm a defensive coordinator in the fourth quarter, I'm in that situation, I'm blitzing him, and I'm dub- I'm bracketing uh, Goddard, and I'm probably skating the safety over wherever Smith is. And then I look at that offense, I'm just like, there's there's nothing there. So I still didn't get any pieces. But also I think that when he put, gets put under pressure, especially from that right side, and he has to flush to his left, he's pretty much just going to come a runner one. So he still, he still has to develop in that area. And if it came to a situation like that, I'm still a little hesitant when it comes to there. Prove me wrong, I, it's definitely possible. I uh, give Nick Sirianni credit for what he said yesterday about uh, Jalen Hurts being the key to the Eagles, being able to run the football, giving credit to his guy, which is a smart thing. I'll be that much more impressed when the opposing team's defensive coordinator says, yeah, we overplayed uh, Jalen Hurts and the ability to run and we left the gap open and the Eagles did gash us and like. When a defensive coordinator on the opposition says it after the fact, then I'll give it 100% credence. For now, I got at least temper it a little bit with, the Eagles head coach trying to give props to his young quarterback, which he deserves. Um, but uh, I'd love to hear it from another DC. All right, if they can continue to run the football the way that they have, the breakout yesterday was good. John and I talked about this a lot last week as to how many carries each guy was going to get, how they were going to deploy their running backs when they do it the way they did. You got to give credit to the coach that he seemed to push the right buttons at the right time. Is this going to be the format going forward? Is Miles going to be the the main guy with Howard and Scott as complementary? How do you think the running game goes forward, putting Jalen Hurts and his own playmaking ability with his legs aside? I think they really still believe in Miles Sanders. And I think it was evident, especially when they threw him back out there, to start the game as well, too. And to me, I think if I just say they run the ball 25 times a game, just just for – things up i probably given about 15 of those to sanders i think he's that that he can potentially be that dynamic on the back but i'm throwing howard in probably 10 and i'm giving the other five to uh if i'm just doing running backs myself and the other five i'm giving us the scott as just as another change up sanders still has that big play capability and especially we mentioned with hurts and his ability to draw a defensive end away potentially or, or a linebacker in that i think it just opens up more space for him to make a play and just one cut and he can go and we've seen the speed that he's able to, to give but there, there is something to the effect of having Howard just being that that bull, that bulldozer. Nor I'm putting the foot head down, north south runner. I think that's effective as well too. Especially when you're looking at goal line and short yardage situations, I think it's key. Now, if you're playing against the Giants, then I think we give more uh, carries to Boston Scott. Yeah, Boston Scott week, man. Boston Scott week. By the way, you know Nick talked about it like 
he didn't go away from Miles. He went away from Miles Sanders. Boston Scott started the second half after the two fumbles. The one he got bailed out on, as you mentioned. And then Jordan Howard got hurt. And then he went back to Miles Sanders. So I think I think Nick is kind of hoping people didn't realize that. <laughs> he he went he went Boston Scott to start the second half. And then Jordan Howard got hurt. And by the way, that's a potential big injury. We got to keep an eye on on that. He's played so well. Then they went back to Miles Sanders because they kind of had to, and he had some success. Um, is that positive or negative that Nick is going with the hot hand? I think it's positive. I think it's, it's positive and saying, you know what? These guys are effective. You're putting the ball on the ground. I'm going to go to these guys. They get hurt. I'm going to go back to you. Then you have the best of both worlds. Had some success with Miles Sanders. Yeah, you stick with what's working. I mean, especially if you're getting a four or five, sometimes six yards a clip, you got to stick with the guy guy who's working and, and moving around. Honestly, I'm surprised that Sanders got right back in that drive right after he fumbled. Yeah, I, I right really after am. he got back in. And then yeah, they went it, in at halftime and said, you know what? We're going to go with yeah, all. Change it a little <laughs> bit. A little bit, Because especially, it's almost like they were almost in the same situations beforehand. Yeah. And he almost, it, yeah, it, to me, I true. know they want to give him a short memory and say, hey, this didn't happen. But I, in that situation, no, especially if you're preaching ball security and, and no turnovers. And listen, this team's done a good job not turning the ball over as much. And especially if you're preaching that, you can't have a guy who's – now you have to look at it now. He's year. He's got a history. He's he's got a track record now of, of dropping the ball, uh, drop uh, not having being secured the ball. You, you got you got to be a little worried about that. And that, so I wouldn't put him right back out there. I would have used Scott more. I would have used Howard more and rode within him. But I understand why he had some for Scott uh, Sanders in at that point. But it, I, I don't know if he's going to be on the field a little bit more with the, with those little punching bag sticks and making sure he keeps that ball ball secure this week. But he has to fix that and fix it soon because it's especially it's getting colder. Teams are going to be more apt to try to strip him now every time he's on the field. So he's, yeah. he's got to fix that as soon as possible. The reason I'll cut Miles some slack on that is that's one of the things you lose when you're out of the lineup. Not taking hits, not taking that bounty. Your athletic ability, when to cut, how to cut, that, that never goes anywhere. That's ingrained in you over the years. You get away from taking hits. You're not used to it. He got stripped yesterday. I know. If he fumbles again next week, it's an issue. This week, had to get back into the groove of things. I'll cut uh, Miles some slack for that, uh, but that's the way I look at it. All right. Um, John mentioned the injury to uh, uh, Jordan Howard and something we need to keep an eye on. While that is true, more importantly is the injury to uh, Darius Slight, who has been phenomenal at cornerback for the Eagles this year. Touchdowns plenty. Uh, even though he doesn't play a ton of man-to-man press coverage, what he does, all he does is score touchdowns, which is pretty damn good. Um, that's a key injury. And I'm sorry McPherson got beat yesterday. They can't afford to have him out of the lineup. Next week's game, I think, is an eminently winnable game against the Giants. I don't think the Giants are very good. I don't want to go against the Giants without Darius Slight. Yeah, I, I agree, and, and I think it bodes well. Like he was on Twitter and Instagram, posting a bunch of stuff and talking and laughing it up. So, I, I wonder if it's going to be one of those Goddard, Dallas Goddard things. We'll, we'll see him on the field, and then basically on Friday injury report, full participant, and he'll be fine. So, especially, but I think you need him because we know Avanti Maddox is better in the slot. That's where he's good, and 
to have to try to bump him out or bring in McPherson again. I mean, listen, McPherson, I still have my questions about the selection still, but I think he's a he's a better outside corner. So you're probably going to put him out there. And he's still green and he's still learning. I just don't – I if I'm the Eagles, I'm feeling a little more comfortable if Darius Slay's out there. But I think he will be in there. And, listen, a hit between him and Nelson, I think that's a good outside cornerback duo. And if they keep them intact, at least for the rest of the season, I think they'll have to do some good things. Now, let's talk – we haven't talked about the defense as a whole. Much more aggressive with Trevor Simeon, especially early in the game. They had a lot of effectiveness. I think same as – Nick Sirianni took his foot off the gas. He admitted he got a little too conservative. Jonathan probably did as well in the second half. Uh, overall, though, your impressions of the the defense, its evolution, T.J. Edwards uh, playing a big part of it. Um, is this real, or is it just they're playing quarterbacks that aren't as good? I think it. I think from from one of my perspective it looks like they're just looking at who's the quarterback who's QB won that week and then they'll make that gameplay which you should do but it just seems like they're more aggressive with quarterbacks who aren't in the top tier as opposed to some of the other guys where you should take your shot and see what can happen because they're going to carve you up anyway and because when, when you look at when whenever he went against Justin Herbert Tom Brady's in the world he just sit back and say we're not going to let you beat, beat us deep just dink and dunk your way and that's how you saw those over 70% completion rates against these guys and it's to the point where I, I think he's I think he finally realized a little bit now he has to play a little bit more aggressive. And I think you're looking at the way that he's done it by sending some of those blitzes, by inserting TJ Edwards and Davion Taylor a lot more. I think that I think that's the biggest thing of, of all. When you look at Edwards and Taylor, the way they're playing, the way they're being physical, and the way they're helping in the run game, especially, and some of those hits that Edwards are making now. It's making a lot of offenses think about when they send like receivers across the middle of the field now. Because if you see Edwards making a couple of those hits and you're a tight end that, or a wide receiver that has to go across the route, and you know he's lurking a little bit sometimes, it could make you adjust your routes a little bit from time to time. So I'm looking at I think the, I think that was the Edwards and Taylor way was the first important change he made. But I think overall, like blitzing a lot more and, and telling his corners to play up a little bit more, I think helped out a lot. Is it will it last a long time? I, I want to see – I'm curious if that Cowboys game at the end of the season means something. I'm really curious to see how he plays that one too because looking back, I mean, Taylor Heineke played He played well the last couple of weeks, but I don't see him as like a top-tier quarterback. You look at Daniel Jones, I don't see him as a top-tier quarter, quarterback. That Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson, well, I don't know. It's just kidding. Not, but no, they're not. <laughs> so I want to see Don't forget Mike White. Was, don't forget oh, oh yeah, I forgot it. Don't thing, forget Josh way. Johnson. I think Josh. the defense <laughs> Josh Johnson's going to play against the Eagles. Yeah, I feel bad for him early in his career. I think he could have been okay, but yeah, but yeah, you look at that. You look at those those that list of quarterbacks. It yeah. it, it screams be aggressive against them. I want to see if it gets against a guy like Dak Prescott, or was he earlier in the season against some of his better ones? Be more aggressive, but it's right. interesting how he plays it. Chris, last one for me, uh, and I need you to look into your. Eagle crystal ball and right, only a couple right. hours down the road. This isn't way down. This is just yeah. a couple hours down the road. Uh, one of the things that the head coach likes to uh, use in uh, addressing the media is the old double down theory. We're doubling down on it. We no matter what we're, we're going to double down on it. And they doubled down on it and it's paid some dividends for them. Will the head coach without prompting from either McMullen or Franklin, you two guys are out. You can't go there. If one of your beat buddies does it, so be it. But will the coach double down on the plant analogy? 
because they're three and four <laughs> since the time the coach planted the seed on the plant. He Does he go the all horticulture astonished yeah. again today and double down on the plant analogy? <laughs> the growth of the Philadelphia Eagles sprouting from the earth. Is the coach going there this afternoon? I don't think so. I think he's going to – it would be great to see it. I, I, I still would love to see him come out in a T-shirt with like a tree roots and just in the middle of yeah. the, an icon. That yeah, would be great to say. Yeah. Like, and, and don't say anything. Just wear it and just go – just, just a hammer at home. Like, see what happened afterwards. But – I think he's going to – if I'm Nick, I'm probably – if I'm Nick, we will get into my Nick hat, it's going to be about the way the team bounced back and the dog mentality. Oh, uh, please, that, no dog mentality. He's going, he's going, it's going to be the dog mentality yeah. is going to come back. And, and this team is fighting. They're young and they're fighting. And they're – I think it's going to be – you hear a lot of fight and dog mentality this week, not 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 the yeah. not the not the horticulture. Definitely going to see that over under <laughs> dog mentalities. I'd place at five this week, Ooh. and it's a short week because uh, Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving to you at Chris Franklin News, Chris Franklin NJ.com. My last one for you, the most important question. You said hat. Put your Nick Sirianni hat on. What hat does he have on today? Is he celebrating Bryce Harper's MVP? Ooh. Is he trying to get the Sixers past all their COVID problems? Or is he going to go outside the box like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and go flyers on us? I'm going to go I'm going to go way outside the box. I don't think he's going to go Union because the Union oh, are in the playoffs. I think he's going Union. I like that. Oh, I Union like action. That. Oh. It's a little bit later because – Five for five, five yeah. I think there's yeah. they, they, they five professional teams that they go with that. So I think you, you'll yeah. see. I think you'll see a union hat or, or a shirt or something like that. How, <laughs> how's his How's his brother's high school team doing? Are they? Does he have a hat on them? He's got to show them a little love here yeah. at some point if they're in the playoffs. Uh, wherever they're playing, we'll hear about it. Trust me. That Washington Jefferson, either one with, with college, the college team. I think either one of those. I think I'm shocked you haven't seen the Washington Jefferson stuff yet. We've seen them. I've seen them out in Union. Someone else at the Novacare goes in the Mountain Union. I seen the sticker on there. I was like, okay, he's probably best friends with Nick. And there's a couple other things as well, too. But I, I, I'm waiting for the Washington Jefferson and, and some of the other stuff. IUP as well, too. I'm waiting for that to show up. <laughs> Chris, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Always good to get you on. Uh, we'll certainly do so again uh, down the road. Thanks for doing it with us today. Hey, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Thank you guys for having me on. Same Thanks, to you, Chris. big guy. Chris Franklin, NJ.com. You're with us on Birds. 365. All right, clock's ticking. We only got a couple of minutes left. We need to put a victorious bow on the show here on Birds Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. 
but that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. You got your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365 after an Eagles win against the Saints. Handled them down at Lincoln Financial Field. Their first win there at 11 months. All right, so they lost some teams, uh, some games against teams that uh, were supposed to win coming in as favorites, and they did. Now the Eagles need to uh, move forward because they are legitimately in the playoff run. Uh, just a question. Yeah, I'm not suggesting you ask it, John, or uh, Chris Franklin ask it, or even any of the Eagle beat guys, but I'd love to get uh, the coach's uh, position on this kind of a weird setup tonight the eagles have already started they're going to go back and look at yesterday's tape and see what they did right wrong and different and and emphasize the positive and try and factor out the negative negative. and then you got to turn the page look to your next opponent which is the giants you can't watch the giants film yet because the giants haven't played yet they've got monday night football action tonight against tampa is that a positive or a negative for the coaching staff? Do you think – I'm sure they like the fact that the Giants now have a short week, got to turn around and get ready for Sunday, and they got an extra day on them. Uh, but do you think it's easier or tougher to uh, prep for a team when they're in that Monday night spot? Uh, I think it's easier from the um, – they have less time. I think it's more important than you. You plenty of tape at this point of the season on the Giants. You understand what they're trying to accomplish. And then – you know, Nick Sirianni, the coaches have this big group text. They'll watch the game together. They'll talk about certain things they're watching. So they'll have a head start just watching it off TV. But, I mean, they know what the Giants are. And the, the, the Giants know what the Eagles are by this point. Even though the Eagles have shifted, you kind of know at this standpoint, you know, I, what I one of the things I I like about Jonathan Gannon is he's so honest and he goes everybody runs the same stuff. It's how you execute it. So um, they kind of know. But I, I think less time to prepare is is more of a detriment to the short week uh, for the team on the short week. But yeah. even that is probably 
a little bit overrated at this point in the season when you have so much film on everybody. Fair enough. Uh, and this is one of the things that actually boy, uh, bothers me about modern technology. Here I am, old guy, get off my lawn. Um, I'd rather see the Eagle coaching staff getting together at like Chickie and Peach to have wings tonight. <laughs> but, oh, we can get on a group text yeah. and, and watch the Thank game that. together at the same time from wow. our own residences. Yeah. No, get together. Come on, you got to win. Go out, have a beer. Sit down, talk about the Giants while they get their ass kicked. By the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You don't need to be yeah. texting each other. Well, yeah, you got a point there. It's a new generation. Jim. It is. Yeah, but, you know, everybody's got, you know, a lot of coaches have families as well. They want to, they got enough problems when them. So they want to be back with their families. And then you just go in a corner and text and you don't get in as much trouble with your wife. Where is, as, where, where is Dick Vermeil sleeping at the stadium? Yeah. That's what I want to know. That's what I want to see from this Eagle coach. Uh, you get plenty of that because, I mean, like I always joke, you know, you, you see a, a, a clean shave in Nick Sirianni appears once every two or three weeks, I would say. Um, and Shane Steichen has joked about that. There's no time to shave. So um, those guys, those guys work pretty hard. Or, uh, JG, there's a couple of guys on the staff that are pretty much clean shaven all the time. Uh, JG is. Uh, no, Shane is. Yeah, he's big, uh, big uh, stubble, you know. Okay. So is, uh, again, so is Nick. But occasionally he'll show up clean shaven. Once I I great I haven't paid that much attention, but it's generally once every two weeks or so. And I give Sirianni credit because when he does shave, damn, he's got that beard back in like two days. Oh yeah, it comes yeah. in fast on him. Yeah. Well, that's a key part to being a, a hot commodity as a coach. <laughs> you got to have the Sean McVay uh, stubble. He's gotta a hot commodity it. because the birds have won two games in a row. And they're yeah. back in the playoff picture after their win against the Saints. Got to have right. a good stubble, Jody. See if you make make note of his stubble, the uh, growth of it after yesterday's win when you go see him today. All right, uh, you and me back here in 22 hours. You up for that, bud? I am up for it. Now 24-hour roll. Look forward. We'll be right back here Tuesday a.m. Talking about the Eagles, a little bit more about the Saints, but start to look ahead to the Giants. Right here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride purpose they stitch people together if all that sounds good to you visit american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use code staple 20 at checkout that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com with promo code staple 20